0: For part nine of this destiny decision series, I want to help us to decide to keep your peace. Like, like you could decide to not clap back. You could decide to keep your peace because watch this. The root of being reactive is due to us not knowing our value or us not knowing our identity. Oh, your scalp, that quick. <laughs> that quick for anybody who has a tendency to clap back to be reactive this is a sign I don't know my value or I don't know my identity like my dog a soulless beast has enough sense to know if you call him stupid come here stupid (whistles) come here dummy (whistles) he won't look at you because he recognizes that is not the identity my master has given me And now if you say Judah, then I'll respond to that because that is the identity that my master has given me. So how is it? How are we made in the image and likeness of God? And a soulless beast has enough mental fortitude to know I don't respond to things I'm not. (laughs) I want to help us to decide to keep our peace. Truth is, if everybody likes you, you probably don't. Did y'all hear what I just said? Like if everybody likes you, you probably don't like you. Because you have to conform to be a certain person to be accepted by this group. And then you have to conform to be accepted to this group. If everybody likes you, you probably don't like you. But I want us to arrive to the place, I'm loved by God and that's all that matters. Okay. So let's pray and let's get into this. Father God, thank you for this moment. Thank you for this hour. All the study means absolutely nothing if you are not magnified, if you aren't glorified. The worship has gone forth, which means God, come in this house and get yourself some glory. We are praying that you flood the atmosphere. Anoint me as your PA system, the oracle of heaven. And we ask that you do it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody who agrees with that prayer will just shout in the room, amen. 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 Ladies and gentlemen. Brothers and sisters, what I'm going to attempt to articulate to you this afternoon, I believe is loaded with potential, potency, and power to break chains, especially the chains of resentment and the chains of bitterness. For any individual under the sound of my voice and watching online who has their heart posture set on getting somebody back, You are in the house. For the individual who has their heart posture set on trying to prove somebody wrong, you want to prove something to them. I want to prove I am a good woman. I am a good man. See, mama, I told you I'm nothing like my father. I'm nothing like your ex-husband. I'm nothing like your ex-wife. I'm nothing like your ex-pastor. I want to prove to you. See, all the things that you said I couldn't do, I'm proving to you I could do it. For all of those of us who are plagued with trying to prove something to somebody, I want us to know, number one, stop trying to get your flight plans approved from people who are afraid of heights. Yeah. Stop trying to get your flight plans approved from people who are afraid of heights. God wants to take you to another realm. God wants to take you higher. And you're trying to get your flight plans approved by people who are consumed and okay with being low. Because, listen, trying to prove your value is proof that you have forgotten yours. Did y'all hear what I just said? Like your neck that quick. I only been up here what five minutes. (laughs) Trying to prove your value is proof that you have already forgotten yours. It might be frivolous, but here's an example. I've never seen a Lamborghini commercial. Never. I've seen a Honda commercial. I've seen a Ford commercial. Ford is the best in Texas. I've seen Nissan commercials. I've seen Ram commercials, but I've never seen a Lamborghini commercial. And if you research, it, Lamborghini says we don't run commercials because our our product in itself has value that speaks for itself. So I don't need to market it. I don't need to commercialize it because when you know your value, you don't have to try to convince people who don't. (laughs) See, please hear me, y'all. Trying to prove your value is proof that you have forgotten yours. And I'm trying to get us to get to this place. Their discernment issue is not your identity issue. Did you hear me? Their discernment issue is not a receipt of my value. It's not my fault that they can't discern that you're anointed. It's not your fault that they can't discern that you're called. It's not your fault that they can't discern that you're appointed and anointed. Don't run up on me. I promise you don't want it. It's not your fault. Their discernment issue is not my identity issue. Ever so often, you have to have a I know that I know word. Can I get somebody to say I know that I know? I got to have a I know that I know word. I know that I know I'm chosen. Because John chapter 15 verse 16 told me so. And that's what I choose to believe. Your discernment issue is not my identity issue. That's your problem. I choose to believe, and I know that I know that I'm royalty, because 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 told me so, and that's what I have chosen to believe. Your discernment issue is not my identity issue. That's not my problem. I know that I know that I'm called, because 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 14 told me so. Y'all better come get me. Your discernment issue is not my identity issue. I know that I'm a good thing. Because Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22 told me so, and that's what I choose to believe. Your discernment issue is not my identity issue, it's the resistance to refrain from trying to prove yourself and believing and knowing what God said about you more than what they think about you. Let's make it personal it's believing and knowing what God said about you more than what you think about you somebody say I know that I know but watch this the only way you can have a I know that I know word is you have to read the word see you see how that switched see how quiet it got right there I know that I know yes but do you read the word or is the only time when you time you open your Bible when I tell you to turn the book in chapter (laughs) so-and-so Because intimacy produces confidence. The only reason I can stand confidently before you is because I'm consistently bowing before him. I know that I know. I believe that this message this afternoon is going to serve as a spiritual nurse for somebody who's on their healing journey. And you're trying to understand and grasp, how is it that I love them so much, but they could betray me like that? For the individual who's trying to understand, how could they ghost me like that? Talk about me like that. Lie on me like that, because that pain hits different when you go from being friends to strangers again. Feel this, y'all. The pain hits different. When you go from being friends to strangers again, and the person that you will possibly take a bullet for is the one that's behind the trigger. (laughs) As I was studying over the last few days and engaged in sermon prep, something stood out to me. I began to notice how loosely and often we use the word friend today compared to how minimal Jesus referred to somebody as a friend in the text. <laughs> it was messing me up. I'm like, okay, um, if somebody sends you a request on Facebook and they follow you, they're called your friend. All right? If you create another social media profile on Instagram or on TikTok, the first thing they ask you to do is find or invite your friends. If somebody posts a little too much, they always got something to say, they always comment under your status, you can simply unfriend them. Friend, 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 friend. Some of us, one of our favorite TV show, TV show sitcoms was Friends. Or right, let me take y'all way back. Anybody remember 106 in Park? Anybody? Like GNZ and none of y'all probably don't remember. I'm talking about like 106 in Park when AJ and Free was on it. Y'all remember that? Okay. <laughs> Yeah, there was this music video on One O Six in Park by this particular artist named Mario, and he had a song, Just a Friend. But you say I'm just a friend. Uh, uh, you say I'm just a friend because I can be... Listen, y'all. <laughs> just a friend. Just a friend. Friend, friend, friend. In fact, if you're interested in somebody and you want to be more than friends... One of the worst things they could ever do is friend zone you. I'm like, which is so, it's so frivolous because don't you know in marriage, what keeps the foundation is purpose and friendship? See, there are a lot of people who are married and not even friends. All they are is business partners. We share property, we share bills, we share bodies, but we don't share friendship. Friends, friends, friends. And I started to research, and I noticed that there are really only two times in the text that Jesus refers to somebody as a friend. Like, there are several references he made, like, no greater love than this, than he who lays down his life for a friend, or or when he was speaking about Lazarus and he said, our friend Lazarus is dead, or in John chapter 15 when he was speaking to the disciples and he said, I call you friends. But there was one other time in Scripture that kind of messed me up, Dre. It kind of messed me up as I was studying it because I don't understand why Jesus would call this one particular person a friend. And I want to show it to you in Matthew chapter 26, verse 47. Look at this, y'all. If you don't have it, it'll be projected for you on the screen. Matthew chapter 26, verse 47. It says, And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign saying, Whomever I kiss, couldn't have been me, y'all. <laughs> couldn't have been me. Just, that's just my point. It couldn't have been me. Whoever I kiss, he is the one, Sees him. Immediately he went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, rabbi. That right there, I would just, uh, just real quick, out of them have one. Like I said, it couldn't be me. Greetings, rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, Enemy. Jesus said to him, Satan. Jesus said to him, friend. <laughs> I'm like, was Jesus being petty? <laughs> friend. Friend, why have you come? Then they have come and laid hands on Jesus and took him. Our verse of emphasis and our clause of concern resides in the halfway mark of verse 48 in our foundational text in Matthew 26, where it tells us, now his betrayer, who is the betrayer? Judas. Now, his betrayer had given them a sign. Who is them? The chief priests, the Pharisees, the elders, the teachers of the law, everybody who hated Jesus. Everybody who wanted Jesus killed. Everybody who wanted Jesus murdered and out of the picture. This is important. Please don't miss this. Because your Judas is not your enemy. Please hear me. Your Judas is not your enemy. Your Judas is the instrument the enemy is using. Judas is not your enemy. The person who betrayed you, they're not your enemy. The person who's talking about you, they're not your enemy. Judas is the instrument in which the enemy is using. The Pharisees were using Judas. So that they could get to Jesus. Because whenever the devil can't get to you, he will start using those who can I'm trying to help somebody. Whenever I can't get to you and can't get in your circle, I will begin to use somebody who's already in your circle. Judas. Judas is the one that's seeing your face and your enemy's face too. Judas is the one that could easily conform to circles. They're the one that could conform to the circles that want to get you killed. And then they could also conform to the circle and be sent out two by two as a disciple. Judas is the one that could conform to the circle with people who can't stand you, who are talking about you, and then also come to your face and say, greetings, Rabbi. Judas is not, it's hot in here, isn't it? (laughs) I'm not even talking about temperature. Judas is the one that is the instrument. Look, I want to show you this. I want to give you Bible. Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, verse 26. This is when everybody's at the table, and they're like, okay, who, who's, who's going to betray you? Look at this. Luke chapter 13, verse 26. Jesus answered, it is he whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Look at this, y'all. Now, after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Satan entered him. Judas is the one that is the instrument of the enemy. See, we've been preaching this wrong. We've been telling people, like, the enemy of Samson was Delilah. No, she wasn't. The enemy of Samson was the Philistines. It's just that the Philistines were using Delilah so that they can get to Samson. So with all of that information, why in the world would Jesus call Judas a friend? Why would Jesus call an instrument that the enemy is using as a friend? (laughs) Y'all ready for this? No, you're not. Y'all ready for this? Why would Jesus called the instrument in which the enemy is using friend, it's because friends are instrumental in helping you fulfill your destiny. Y'all missed what I just said. One person got it, y'all missed what I just said. Your friends are people who are instrumental in helping you fulfill destiny. They're not a friend if they don't help you fulfill destiny. So I'm able to call you friend because without you, I couldn't fulfill my purpose. Without you, I couldn't fulfill my assignment. Without you, I couldn't be fruitful. I'm trying to get us to stop being mad at instruments. Somebody right now, you are bitter over an instrument. You are upset over an instrument. You feel some type of way towards an instrument. Judas was not a good disciple. He wasn't even good at his financial decision-making. He was stealing from Jesus the whole time. And then after he had the transaction and betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, he gave the money back because he was so guilty from it. Don't judge him because he betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Most of us do it for free. (laughs) Don't judge him. At least he made a profit out of it. He wasn't good at being a disciple. He wasn't good at his financial decision-making. Judas wasn't even good at tying knots. Like the knot that he tied in the rope to hang himself snapped and all of his guts fell out. He wasn't good at a disciple. He wasn't good at his financial stewardship. He wasn't good at tying knots. Oh, but he was perfect at his purpose. He was perfect at his purpose. Why did he call the instrument in which the enemy was using a friend? Is because friends are instrumental in making sure that you fulfill your assignment. It had to happen. I'm talking to somebody prophetically who's trying to heal. It had to happen. It had to happen. You don't get the resurrection without a Judas. It had to happen. Judas' presence is critical because something has to come out the grave. Without Judas, Jesus would have not come out the grave. You don't get salvation without first having a Judas. It had to happen. We don't get the gospel without first having a Judas. It had to happen. We don't get the good news without first having a Judas. It had to happen. We don't get saved without first having a Judas. It had to happen. I'm going to keep on saying it until you get it. We don't get grace Without first having a Judas, it had to happen. We don't get mercy without first having a Judas. It had to happen. We don't get sanctification without first having a Judas. It had to happen. Whoever in the house is stuck, I'm trying to give you a perspective shift. Judas pushes you into destiny. No, they're not good at being a best friend candidate. But they are good at being the best destiny catalyst. (laughs) Did y'all hear what I just said? They're not good at being a best friend candidate. But they are good at being a best destiny catalyst. They push you into destiny. It is the ministry of an enemy. (laughs) It's the ministry of an enemy that expedites your development and your maturity. There's a level of maturity you could only get from having an enemy. There's a level of discipline you only get once you have an enemy. There's a level of self-control you only get once you have an enemy. The ministry of an enemy is present. Listen, Judas was for Jesus' destiny. The apostles... Were for Jesus' legacy, trying to give us a perspective shift because many of us in here right now, you're mad at some instruments in the form of a parent, an ex, a friend. Can I say it how I want to say it? Stop being mad at what helped you develop. So Who's that, what, four or five golf class I know. I know. I'm sweating physically for y'all, spiritually. I know. Stop being mad at the individual that thrust you into purpose. Can I keep going? In fact, some of us right now need to pull out your smartphone, your iPad, and your tablets and start sending out some random text messages, like some random thank you letters and some random thank you cards. Thank you. You only made me value peace. Thank you so much. Thank you. You only made me seek God's will more than my will. Thank you. It was the hell that you put me through. That caused me to seek the grace that I've been called to. Thank you. You only caused me to have a prayer life. Thank you. You only caused me to come back to Christ. Thank you. It only caused me to serve again, to fast again, to be devoted again. Thank you. (laughs) Let's see how mature we are. Can I get everybody to say, I needed that? I needed that. I, I needed that. Yeah, it, it, it was that that caused me to seek Christ the way I'm seeking him. It, it's something about adversity that keeps you fresh. There's something about adversity that keeps you fresh. There was this article I was reading this week. It was called, Do You Have a Catfish in Your Life? And well, that just got my attention. I love Animal Planet and the Weather Channel. And so I started to read this article And it said, one of the most demanded fish from the 90s to the 2000s was cod. And the people on the West Coast, California, wanted these cod fish. And so what they did was they would transport the fish from Florida all the way to California. But once the chefs got the cod, it didn't taste fresh. It was all mushy because they had it on ice. And they said, okay, this this is not going to work. We can't serve people this. All right. So they decided then to put the cod in a big, huge fish tank. Y'all should Google this. It's called, is there a catfish in your life? Real article. And, and they put these, these cod in these big aquarium tanks on the train and transported them all the way to California. So once the chefs got the cod, they were like, no, nah, it's, it's still not fresh. They're still kind of mushy. They're not fresh. And so, what they decided to do, the predator of a cod is a catfish. Put this on the screen for me, Carl. The, the, the predator for cod is a catfish. And what they decided to do was in every tank, we're going to put a catfish. So then they transported the cod from Florida all the way to the West Coast with catfish there. And then the Shasolai. Oh, the, the fish, they're fresh now. I was like, what, what, what happened to keep the cod fresh? The whole time while they were making the journey, they were running from the catfish. So it was the adversity that kept them fresh. They couldn't sit still. They kept moving because they were trying to get away from the catfish. Do you have a catfish in your life? Because it keeps you fresh. It keeps you in God's face. Some of us If you were not to have a fight, you wouldn't see God. It's not that God has to use warfare to teach us. It's just for some of us, that's the only way we stay fresh. (laughs) I want to speak around this thought from this subject for a few moments on this afternoon. It had to happen. It had to happen. And my goal is once this sermon is concluded... You will have a different perspective over every enemy, over every critic, over every Judas, over every naysayer, over every person that opposes you in your life. Because it had to happen. God, give us a fresh perspective. Help us to stop being mad at instruments. But understand that you're so good that you're using even the enemy's instrument. As being an instrumental vessel in helping us fulfill destiny. Soften our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody who agrees with that, would you shout in the room, Amen. Amen? So I want you to say this confession. I know it's awkward, but I just want us to be a mature church. I don't care about church growth if it's growing due to to infection. I want it to grow because we're spiritually healthy and we have biblical intelligence. So, this is something I want us to have. Can I get us to say this, and everybody watching online, can you put this in the room in all caps? Can I get us to say, Father, give me the character and emotional intelligence to handle my Judas correctly? Father, give me the character. And emotional intelligence to handle my Judas correctly. That's a prayer there, isn't it? (laughs) The verse that I want to highlight, verse 50. But Jesus said to him, friend, why have you come? Like Judas was so close to Jesus that he could kiss him. Like, it's another level of closeness when you could kiss somebody. One of the most painful kisses is a Judas kiss. But one of the most purposeful kisses is a Judas kiss. It's just the pain hits different when it's a devil you didn't know. See, Jesus knew the whole time. Who Judas was he understood Judas's assignment he knew that Judas would betray him and he still washed his feet see some of us have cut off friendships due to a misunderstanding (laughs) like y'all are not friends anymore due to a misunderstanding it was a conversation that was never had you cut them off y'all done misunderstanding. Jesus understood what what Judas would do and still washed his feet and still served them. Because if serving is beneath you, leading is beyond you. Like, listen, listen, if you have to like them to serve them, promotion is beyond you. If they have to be the same race as you, same ethnicity as you, in the same political group as you, have the same faith morals as you, you like kingdom promotion, that's beyond you. He was able to know exactly what what Judas would do and still serve him. But here's the thing. Jesus had relational management. Spoke to thousands. Sent out 72. Selected 12 but was vulnerable with three. How we get hurt is we confuse our John the Beloved with our Judas the Betrayer. And so you start having vulnerable moments with Judas when really that's supposed to be John. The reason you don't like John is because John will tell you about yourself. Judas will just agree with you and steal behind your back. And so a lot of us, we call on our Judas. Y'all don't want to talk to me. We call on our Judas instead of our John the Beloved. One of the most painful kisses is a Judas kiss, but yet one of the most purposeful kisses is a Judas kiss. I want to give you Bible. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 6. It says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. <laughs> I could do a whole sermon on who's kissing on you. <laughs> Because this passage and this text alone lets us know that all kisses aren't signs of endearment. Sometimes they're proof of an enemy. The one that you say in to, who's kissing on you? That's a whole other sermon. Cord, remind me of that. Maybe this summer I'll hit that. Who's kissing on you? And so I began to ask myself, I said, okay, we just read that Satan entered Judas. Why did he have to kiss him, though? This is how I studied my Bible. I'm like, there are tons of things. You could have said, he's the one right there with the beard. You could have tapped him on the back and said, greetings, rabbi. Why did you kiss me, bro? Anybody else feel this? Like you're going to betray me with a kiss? Why you kiss me, bro? I believe it's because Satan couldn't stop Jesus. He tried by telling him, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus wouldn't take it. He tried to get Jesus, pervert the use of his power and say, turn these stones into bread if you are the son of God. And Jesus wouldn't do it. He said, okay, if you're the son of God, jump off this cliff for it is written that he will give his angels in charge about you and you won't dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus wouldn't take it. So what does Satan do when he can't distract you, he can't tempt you, he breaks your heart? Did you hear what I just said? When I can't get you to take the temptation, when I can't get you to use the glory for yourself, when I can't get you to take Scripture out of context to try to manipulate somebody, when I cannot deceive you, hell prescribes heartbreak. It hurts more when you were my boy and I washed your feet and you kissed me. Prescribes heartbreak in the form of betrayal, heartbreak in the form of rejection, heartbreak in the form of, in the form of abandonment. Satan is like, okay, you're getting too focused. you you praying a little too much. you fasting a little too much. you coming to discipleship. You're trying to serve a little too much. You're reading your Bible too much. Like you're waking up and praying on your own too much. So I have to figure out some way to stop you. If you won't give in to the temptation, I'm going to try to break your heart. Would that stop you? seeking Jesus' face too much. You're listening to the word too much. You're binging sermons too much. You're starting to respond out of self-control too much. You're starting to fast a little too much. I have to do something. Y'all have to just excuse me. I'm just convinced we need to be Christians that have our backbone again. We need to get our spiritual swagger back. Where We're like, okay, devil, you know what? Your lion's den doesn't scare me. Your trials don't scare me. Your Goliath doesn't scare me. Your storm doesn't scare me. In fact, if you knew what I would become after the storm, you probably wouldn't have messed with me in the first place because there's a certain level of preach I get from storms. There's a certain level of tenacity I get from storms. There's a certain level of worship I get from storms. You sent it to derail me, but it actually propelled me. So, somebody may be like, man, but why is it so hard? I hear you. Okay. He prescribes heartbreak. Why is the warfare so hard? You know what? Here's an epiphany that God shared with me that I'm going to share with you. I believe it's because you see yourself out of your condition when Satan sees you by your position. hear me, hear me, you see yourself out of your condition, What you've done, your flaws, your weaknesses, your shortcomings, Satan sees you by your position. You're a world changer. You're an heir. You're a royal priesthood. You're a peculiar people. You're an ambassador. You're a child of the king. And the reason it gets so hard is because you're fighting out of your condition when Satan is fighting you from your position. But if we can become people who begin to fight from our position versus our condition, you'll stop fighting as a victim, you'll fight from victory. You'll stop fighting as if, is God mad at me? But you'll start fighting from, God loves me. You'll stop fighting from, am I really forgiven? And start fighting from, I am forgiven. you get another level of confidence. It's hard because we're seeing ourselves by our condition versus by our position. Listen, church, a Judas, an enemy, are instruments... That hell uses, God allows to usher you into promotion. Did y'all hear what I just said? Your Judas, your enemy, they are instruments. Somebody say instruments. Instruments, instruments that hell uses, God allows it because he knows it's going to promote you into your destiny. <laughs> I know you're going to learn to stop clapping back. From an enemy versus a sermon where I'm telling you have self-government. A, there's a different level of teaching and learning you get. Do you have Bible to corroborate your claim, preacher, because I'm not following you at all? I do. I'm glad you asked. It was the enemy of David in the form of Goliath that promoted him from shepherd boy to giant slayer. I'm going to give you more Bible. It was the enemy in the form of Pharaoh to the Israelites that positioned them to get to the promised land. I'm going to give you more Bible. It was the enemy to Mordecai in the form of Haman that positioned all of the Jews to experience favor and providence from King Xerxes. I'm going to keep going. It was the enemy to Jesus in in the form of Judas that got him to the cross where we all could have salvation. Oh, I know it's rough. What if I told you your next level is gift-wrapped in an enemy? See, they're quiet. They don't like this. They don't like this. What if I told you that God can promote you Once you have learned the resistance from retaliating. Whoever's been saying, God, I'm ready to do this. God, I'm ready to do that. God, I'm ready to go to this level. God is like, okay, but you still have to vindicate yourself. Somebody comes at you some type of way, I'm going to come at them some type of way too. (laughs) Oh Lord This is why listen We have to stop letting our tongue loose When your heart is broken Because you'll end up Oversharing with Judas Or mistreating Judas An enemy comes in your life And they will either Promote you or plateau you It's all contingent On how you treat them This is so good y'all I'm trying to get you to understand that every enemy is an opportunity to level up. Jesus says it this way. Keep in mind, if the world hates you, they hated me first. Some people don't really hate you. They just hate the God in you. They don't like you for no other reason than you're different. They don't like you for no other reason than you're called. They don't like you for no other reason than you're breaking the cycle. Because if you ask him why they don't like you, they really can't tell you. People who don't like me, who never met me, who don't even know me. It's not you. It's, it's the God in you. <laughs> God put it this way. Haters are elevators. They can't stop stop you from obtaining what's yours, but your response to them and how you treat them can. Psalms chapter 25, verse 19. Is this good? It says, consider my enemies, for they are many and they hated me with cruel hatred. Keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in you. Let integrity, there it is, let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. David is saying, listen, I got a lot of haters. I got a lot of people in my DMs. I got a lot of people leaving comments. I got a lot of people who don't like me. You know how I'm going to fight them? With integrity. I'm going to fight them and I'm going to be preserved by being upright. I'm not going to give them the satisfaction of causing for me to step outside of my character and ruin my witness. I'm going to fight with integrity. I'm going to fight by being upright. Listen, high character will always irritate low critics. I am preaching high character. And high integrity will always frustrate low critics. (laughs) People who are hustlers and are grinders and steward what God has given them, they irritate people who are lazy. (laughs) Can I tell us something else? If you're going to be anointed, you can't care what people think because your call is going to tick people off. Your anointing is going to make people mad. Your self-control is going to make people upset. You can't care, oh, did that hurt their feelings, And, and did I hurt them? If you're going to walk in your calling and follow Jesus, you are going to tick people off by default. Whoever's a hustler and a grinder and has stewardship over what God has given them, they tick off lazy people. Whoever practices sexual purity, they tick off the sexually immoral. They can't stand when you post about purity and talk about godliness and keeping it locked until you get the rock. They, don't, they can't stand that. They can't stand. They got something to say, you ain't never going to get no man. Ain't no dude doing that. They always got something to say. Brothers will start questioning your masculinity. If you a man talking about I'm waiting till marriage, bro, you tripping. Is something sweet in your tank? They'll start making all type of jokes. Because, listen, the sexually immoral are irritated by the sexually pure. Those who have a devoted life, they tick off those who compromise. Oh, Lord, here come the church, girl. Oh, Lord, here they come again. Here come They can't stand it, and it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with your integrity. What I'm trying to get us to understand is that every single time, the comments, the clapbacks, the haters, and it could come from your mama, it could come from a friend. Lord, it could even come from a spouse. You have to be able to recognize I'm going to level up and remain in self-government because you will not be a person that treats me like an elevator. And whatever button you push, I go to your floor. Somebody say, be out of service to that. You pushing buttons, I ain't going nowhere. You pushing buttons, I'm not going anywhere because I'm not going to be reactive I'm not going to be reactive so let me help those who are trying to use logic to understand why somebody doesn't like you don't try to use logic on a spiritual process like I know enough Bible and have been walking with God long enough to recognize it won't make sense while you're in it did y'all hear me Gosh, I'm trying to help somebody. It will not make sense while you are in it. Good Friday never makes sense when it's Friday. Am I telling the truth? Good Friday doesn't make sense when it's Friday. You being in prison, Joseph, and all you did was tell Potiphar's wife you couldn't have none, that don't make sense to me because I'm operating with integrity. It never makes sense while you're in it. It only makes sense on Resurrection Sunday. It it only makes sense once you become the second most powerful man in Egypt, Joseph. And now you can say, what y'all meant for evil, God meant for good. So here's the question. Can you survive the hate hate enough to discover why am I going through this? Some of us can't survive the attacks. We can't survive the comments. We can't survive what people are saying long enough to understand why, does this, why is this happening to me. It's a waste of your mental comprehension and your cerebral grasp when you try to understand the process while in it. Everybody has all these questions. It ain't going to make sense until you pass. God is the only person that will put you in school and you didn't know you were in school until you graduated. Am I telling the truth? You'll look back, oh, God was testing me the whole time. And look, here's the thing about a good teacher. When they give you a test, it's because they've already given you the material. If I'm testing you, it's because I've already given you the answers. I'm not testing you to punish you. I'm testing you to show you you're capable of doing this. You're capable of doing this. It's in you. I've given you the study guide. But when you're under pressure, when you're under pressure see, one of the worst places you can live I said this so many times is in your feelings? Listen, if I was Satan, just me, and he'd been doing this a whole lot longer. But if I was the devil, if you lived in your feelings, I would make sure I'm your mailman. Like you lived there, I'm going to deliberately and intentionally send packages to try to activate self-sabotaging behavior. Because nobody wants to eat a five-star meal off a trash can lid. I'm going to try to make it to where you're gifted, but your attitude has it where nobody will listen to you so there's a certain level of people you're supposed to reach but you're so petty you curse people out so quick you're so easily ticked off you're so moody you always have the last thing to say where nobody will glean from your ministry because your character is off I can't take away your gift but if you can respond to my attack nobody will listen or care about your gift I don't know why nobody will come to my ministry because you're mean you're mean you go off on people. You constantly get mad. That's why. It had nothing to do with Jesus, but well, they'll just want the gospel. No, they don't want your petty, bruh. <laughs> this is why I speak so much on healing because the enemy uses where you're wounded as a trigger. So if you feel like you need to lose weight and somebody comes and says, Ooh, you've been eating good, huh? <laughs> What you, what you mean? Nah, I got you. I got you. I got you. Wherever you're sensitive at, I'm going to send somebody to push it. Your ex said that you're too silly. Somebody said, girl, you need to, come on, you're too silly. What? I'm too what? No, excuse me. I didn't hear you. I'm too what? I'm too what? I didn't hear you. What? Am I telling the truth? Wherever you're wounded, that's where he pushes. Because I want to get reactive behavior out of you to ruin your witness. Now, for everybody who's like, listen, I got my solution. You know what I'm going to do? Cut them off. That's all I got to do. Full house, cut them out. That's all I got to do. I don't have to. I'm going to cut them off. Okay. I've read this scripture several times throughout this series, but I want to bring it back to your remembrance just so that you could, for all the cut off people, like all the people who like your cut off games on steroids. But I just want to show you something real quick. And we read this before um, Psalms 23, verse 5. Okay. We read it before. Psalms 23, verse 5. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Hmm. So this means the qualification for your table is the presence of an enemy. If you don't have an enemy, then you don't have no table. So to cut off all your enemies, you forfeit the... Now look, look look it says you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy you anoint my head with oil my cup overflows what I'm trying to get us to understand is the oil is present because of the enemy and the enemy is present because of the table no enemy no oil increase does this make sense so if everybody say I'm going to just cut them off you cut off your oil and your table let them watch Let them keep talking. If you really look at the text, God is saying, this is the place where I do it in front of their face. This is how I exercise vengeance. I keep them at your table. And I increase your anointing. And I increase your favor. And I increase your faithfulness. And I show myself strong. And I show myself good. And I show myself holy. But... If you'll cut off games on steroids, you're also cutting this off. You're also, let them watch. I'll never turn my comments off. Leave them on. Let them say what they got to say. Let them talk. Let them keep on doing all of that because David says, my integrity and my uprightness is going to preserve me while I wait on you. So in other words, David's saying, I ain't going to handle it because you will. I'm going to just have integrity in the meantime. I'm going to just be upright in the meantime. As I wait on you, you're going to handle this. Don't forfeit your oil because it's popular to say my cutoff game strong. Don't. All you do is stay in your integrity. Some people you can't cut off. You work with them. (laughs) You can can get another job, but Judas going to show up there too. You understand? You're dealing with an instrument. It's not a personal location. It's an instrument. I'm trying to get us to a place to where the instrument doesn't bother you. See, so what we have to do is do the work. Now, now here's the work. Point number one, the work is self-government. That's doing the work. Self-government. What does that mean? I'm not going to step out of character because you did. Jerry, you're asking people to be a doormat. No, I'm not. I'm asking you to be Christ-like. You're asking me to be a doormat. No, I'm not. I'm trying to ask you to possess the fruit of the spirit of self-control. All I'm trying to get you to do is be spiritually mature. The first thing you have to do. As I got to do the work. What irritates you? If it's your weight, lose weight. Ooh, nobody said nothing. <laughs> Whatever it is, like if you know, like certain things you can fix. If you know a certain things that you don't like, do what you could do. Yeah. Period. Because if I'm Satan, and he's been doing it longer than me, I'm going to think of things I know that you're sensitive in, and I'm going to use it to keep you in the flesh. Because my goal is to make sure that you die unfruitful. That's my goal. I want to make sure you have no impact. And if I know there's a certain comment or a certain word I have to say to get you out of character, I'm going to keep surrounding you with people who keep pushing that button. Self-government. Number two, consistent government. Why do I say that? Because a lot of us, you have self-government right here. You're not gonna cuss nobody out in church. Somebody kind of step on your foot, you oh, it's okay. Let it happen in Walmart. You see? You see? So you're showing me you have some sense of self-control. Because right now, somebody's cut in front of you in the line with the food after church. Okay, go ahead, God bless you. Let them cut in front of you at Walmart. You know Walmart only got two lanes open. <laughs> Consistent. Self-government. Now, this is critical for leaders. Number three, I consider the backstage. This, when somebody comes at me some type of way, I immediately consider they going through something. They haven't healed from that divorce. They don't like themselves. Now, now look, you could be at a leadership position here in the church. Somebody, I signed up and ain't nobody did Okay, they coming at you some type of way, right? There's some work they need to do. I'm not going to take it personal because I consider the backstage. What type of person would you be if every time somebody made a comment or said something to you, you considered, is this an opportunity for me to be promoted? And is this somebody who's going through something that I don't know about? Let's offend it. Let's it. You don't know right now. You're sitting next to somebody who has been laughing, smiling, but they're going through a storm. And you can't tell, but they're going through something. And that comment many times comes from what they're going through versus what you did. So why do enemies show up? We'll end with these points and we're done. Number one, they show up when you have discovered your assignment. When you discover the reason why you have been born. When you try to publish that book. When you try to make the YouTube channel. When you try to construct the podcast. Then that's when they show up. Why? It's to get you To be plateaued. Enemies show up to promote you or plateau you. It's all up to how you respond to them. Number two, this was powerful. Enemies come when you get a word. Like right now, I guarantee it. Before the sun goes down on today, for some of us, before you leave the parking lot, this word is going to be tested. Now, look, look, look. Mark chapter 4. I want you to see this. Verse 13. This is Jesus. He said, and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? And these are the ones by the wayside where the word was sown. When they hear it, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their heart. When you get a word, because I believe this with my whole heart because it's happened to me, one word from God could transform your life forever. One. Just one. For me, try me. Change everything. That's why it's on that big flag when you leave. Try me. It changed my whole life. One word from God. Could change the trajectory of your life. And as soon as you get that word, for many of us right now, that word is self-control. And you know God has been dealing with you about it. One word could change your whole life. As soon as you get it, the enemy will try to take it. Number three, enemies come to make you move. (laughs) This is why God allows it. Because I know you're going to move from this. You're going to start praying from this. God, take it away. Yeah, but you're fasting now. God, it hurts. Yeah, but you're seeking my face now. God, I don't like it. Yeah, but you like me now. Sometimes enemies get you to move. Would you have gone through the Red Sea if you didn't have Pharaoh behind you? Would you be in church if you didn't experience that heartbreak? Enemies come to make you move. Number four, enemies come to get you to react. Listen, this is what I want you to remember. When they come at you with that energy, let my words and my voice stay in your mind. They're trying to activate self-sabotaging behavior. I want you to react because I cannot stop what God is doing in your life, but your reaction to them can. Moses allowed the Israelites complaining to cause for him to call them out of their name. You rebels, must I fetch this water for you too? And God said, because you did not honor me as holy and the sight of the people. How did God say that? Look how you talk to them. And then I asked you to speak to the rock and you hit it. They come to get you to react. And the whole point of this sermon, number five, enemies are promotion in disguise. You don't get salvation without Judas. You don't get resurrection without Judas. So I challenge you. For whoever in your life you feel like you don't like. Because you think they don't like you. What could you do to show integrity and uprightness? Not because you're trying to win them over. But because you're reflecting the kingdom. See how quiet it is? I will no longer allow anything in this life to cause for me to step out of my kingdom character. I won't be perfect. I won't be perfect, but that is my goal. So Father, would you forgive us for all the times we tried to vindicate ourselves? Forgive us for allowing wounds in our heart to be trigger buttons from the enemy and we have acted out of character and not represented you well. Would you forgive us for all of the times we didn't represent you well, but we gratified our flesh. We recognize, God, that you are perfect. And through you, we could have perfect life because our life is hidden in you. This does not mean we won't have trouble. It just means that you handled all of it. Our life is hid in you. And seeking you is pleasing you. Help us to understand that unbelievers won't read the Bible, but we will on, sometimes we will be the only Bible that they'll ever read. Help us to reflect an accurate version of you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody who agrees with that prayer, would you say amen in the room?